The following program is a presentation of Grand Slam Ministries. time again. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 41 of this thing we call the Dan Scott Show. I am Dan. We are presented each and every week by Grand Slam Ministries on each of our 13 affiliates, and a number that, as we told you last week, is going to grow significantly in early November. How you doing? Hope that you've had a great week. If you have, we'll try not to do anything to to mess it up. If it's been a uh, a rough week, maybe something you will hear today will um, give you a little bit of inspiration. And as always, we will try to learn something that we did not know by the time this show is over. I used to say that all the time on my old uh, sports talk show, and I always said that that usually began and ended in the host chair because I'll be the first to tell you there are a lot of things I don't know and we try to learn something every time we do one of these programs. Today's show is going to be uh, a little different than what I had expected because we had one of those very rare lulls where I've got several guests already lined up for the next five or six weeks. And, of course, we've had a a really good run of guests over uh, the last five, six, eight weeks. This week, though, nothing. And it wasn't planned that way. It just worked out that way. So for better or worse, you get to hear me talk for the entire hour. I will tell you more about that in our next segment. I just want to remind you of the news that we shared at the end of the program last week. If you weren't with us, starting on November the 4th, we are adding the Life FM network to the show family. And that is going to increase our over-the-air radio station presence by about 22 radio stations. And network-wide on the Life FM, the show will air on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. local time in each of its markets. And we're talking not just the upstate of South Carolina and western North Carolina, where we are here, but we're also talking St. Louis and Chicago and Indianapolis and Springfield, Massachusetts and uh, Alabama and the tip of Florida and, and just a number of different places. It's amazing what God has done in opening the doors for this. Don't have it up on our website yet for you to see the affiliates, unless you go to the story on the front page. It's not on the affiliates and archives page. You can go to the story on the front page and access the Life FM Network's list of stations there to see where it's going to air. Uh, but you can also go to their website, thelifefm.com, and you will find out more. Uh, again, we are losing 94.5 WGTK, the answer as our flagship station. Uh, next week's show will be the final show that will air on the answer, um, the, the station that really got us up and started on this thing. So uh, we just can't tell you how much I appreciate what Craig DeBolt and, and the staff there 
did for us in the process of getting this thing rolling. And I'll ask you to continue to pray for the folks who work at 94.5 FM and the music station, the Earth FM, because there are a whole lot of people who have lost their jobs or will be losing their jobs in, in a week or two because of those radio stations being sold. A lot of unsettling uh, of a number of people, and uh, some of them are still wondering what's next. So I just ask that you would pray for those folks, and uh, we'll tell you more about the Life FM and what it means for our scheduling as we move forward. Right now, though, let's take a break, and we'll come back and set you up for the talk that you get to hear from me this week. When we return on The Dan Scott Show, don't go away. Grand Slam Ministries exists to glorify Jesus Christ in multiple ways. Through this radio show and its accompanying online, digital, and video components. Through our sister websites, danscottshow.org and grandslamministries.org. And through furthering our core missions, mentorship, and providing food and other necessities to children. None of this is possible without your prayers and support. By making a gift to Grand Slam Ministries today, you'll not only help this program remain on this radio station, you'll help us grow our family of stations, allowing us to bring stories of God working in the lives of men and women everywhere to a larger audience. And at the same time, your gift will help us in the initial launch of those core mission programs. Grand Slam Ministries is in its infancy. We need your support. Will you help us today? Visit our website at grandslamministries.org and prayerfully consider a one-time or monthly gift today. Above and beyond anything else, please pray for our ministry. Thank you and God bless. Like what you hear? Have a question or comment? Maybe a guest suggestion? Drop us an email and let us know. Dan at danscottshow.org And now, back to the Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. Episode 41 of the Dan Scott Show. We are so pleased to have you with us. Hey, if you have missed anything, uh, I would encourage you to go to the Affiliates and Archives page at danscottshow.org, and you can access uh, all of our archives, the podcast archives, from there, starting with the most recent episode. And uh, you can also, just wherever you get your podcast, search Dan Scott Show, and you'll find us. We are on pretty much every podcasting platform out there. So would love to have you uh, go back and check out some of the things that we have done. And um, it actually even goes all the way back to a couple of years ago when the original podcast was known as Grumpy Old Broadcasters. And there's a lot of sports stuff on there uh, as well. As we get rolling in this segment, uh, I mentioned that an unintended lull means that we have no uh, guests this week, so you get to hear me talk. And uh, I thought I would share something that I spoke about back in March of 2022 at a leadership conference. 
uh, was asked to be one of the uh, panel of speakers there. And, and it's a topic that actually got its start from a Sunday school lesson that I taught the year before uh, on Easter Sunday. And, and it deals with the, the two on the road to Emmaus that Jesus interacted with after his resurrection. And it's a very familiar story. But as I got into the study, it dawned on me that Jesus is really teaching us an awful lot about communication. And that's how this whole talk came about. So at this leadership conference, that's what you're going to hear. The topic is what Jesus teaches us about communication. Here's what it sounded like. It is uh, good to be here. I want to thank Greg for the invitation. Um, I'm assuming that everybody here knows Greg and knows his story. If you don't, uh, his testimony is a powerful one. I've had the opportunity to, to speak at one of his events before and then have him uh, share his testimony on my podcast. Uh, and uh, it's just great to see what God is doing in his life. It's great to see this event. Uh, welcome for those of you who are here. Those of you who are watching live uh, or will be watching the playback of this thing. Uh, it's good to see my friend Jazzy Jeff Bright yes, sir. back in the background. I just, found out, I just found out a little while ago that Jazzy is uh, running for public office. He just made that announcement. And, and from what I'm told, Riley, he's running unopposed, right? One, one time, and this, this is a true story. In the eighth grade, a buddy of mine and I entered a social studies fair, right? We were the only people in that particular category, and we finished second. <laughs> so it's a true story because you had to score a certain number of points in the judging to get to the next level, to win first place and go to the state level. We didn't get there. So, Jazzy, just, it, it is possible to lose as the only person running <laughs> in a category. Yeah, I, I understand. You're talking about a guy here who once tripped going up an escalator and fell down the stairs for an hour and a half. So, anyway, uh, before we get going here, just share a little bit about what's going on with me. Uh, Greg mentioned the, the director of Grand Slam Ministries. That is as fledgling, a fledgling nonprofit as you can be. I literally filed the online 501c3 form about three weeks ago. And the purpose of Grand Slam Ministries is going to be really threefold. Number one, I feel like God is calling me into a, a radio ministry that I'm going to use the, um, the uh, nonprofit as a way to support so we can buy time and get on stations uh, across the country. We are going to use the uh, nonprofit as a way to mentor men to be better husbands and fathers, to help in, in every aspect of life, because at our church at Utica Baptist, there were a number of men who poured into me when I first got saved and I was without a job, and I just want to take that and pay it forward. And then the other thing that we're hoping to do with it is, I don't know if you folks are aware of this, but there are children in these communities when they go home from school on Friday, many of them don't eat again until they come home on or come back to school on Monday. So what we want to do is find a way to help. There are different schools and organizations who do weekend backpack programs, 
that is going to be one of the other missions, kind of a threefold mission of what we're going to do. Grand Slam Ministries, the SLAM, once we finally get a logo, the SLAM is going to be an acronym for Serve, Love, and Mentor. So just pray for us where that is concerned. When I got asked to speak at the leadership conference, I thought, well, I'm going to be, it's like having the opening act to Led Zeppelin. All the great guys are coming later on. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of the guy that is going to be here to either warm up or, or you know, people are going to start throwing things to get this bum off the stage and let's get Riley up here or David Shirley later on, some of the other guys. But when I thought about leadership, it, it's something that affects every Every church, every denomination, nobody is, is immune from leadership issues. And in fact, have you heard about the one that's kind of permeating its way through the entire church world right now? Have you heard about this squirrel problem we're having? And it started at the Presbyterian church. The, the church leaders called a meeting to decide what to do about a squirrel infestation that they had. And after much prayer and consideration, they concluded that the squirrels were, the squirrels were predestined to be there. So they shouldn't interfere with God's divine will. Down the road at the Baptist church, the squirrels had taken an interest in the baptistry. So the deacons met. They decided to put a water slide on the baptistry and let the squirrels drown themselves. Well, what they found out was the squirrels liked the slide and unfortunately instinctively knew how to swim. So the next week, twice as many squirrels showed up. The Lutheran church decided they were not in a position to harm any of God's creatures. So they humanely trapped their squirrels and set them free near the Baptist church. Two weeks later, the squirrels were back when the Baptists took down the water slide. The Episcopalians, well, they tried a much more unique path by setting out pans of whiskey around their church in an effort to kill the squirrels with alcohol poisoning. But unfortunately, they found out how much damage a band of drunken squirrels can do. But it was the Catholic Church that came up with the most creative strategy. They baptized all the squirrels and made them members of the church. So now they only see them at Christmas and Easter. And then not much was heard out of the Jewish synagogue. They took the first squirrel they found and circumcised him. They haven't seen one since. Oh, mercy. In uh, my few minutes this morning, I'm going to stick to the one thing that I'm supposed to know something about as a broadcaster, and that's communication. And more specifically, what Jesus taught us about how to communicate in business, in family, in the church, in every aspect of our lives. And since Easter is rapidly approaching, I want to use a Bible text this morning that's appropriate. So if you have a Bible with you, you can open up to Luke Chapter 24, we're going to be focusing on verses 13 through 35. It's the story of Jesus meeting the two men on the road to Emmaus. And as we get into this this morning, I pray that the Holy Spirit will allow us to see three things. First of all, Jesus joins the conversation. Secondly, Jesus listens to the conversation. And then finally, Jesus changes the conversation. So starting in verses 13 through 17, this is Luke 24, verses 13 through 17, it says, That very day, 
Two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But verse 16 says, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And the two men, the Bible says, stood still looking sad. So to put into context where we are here, the first 12 verses of Luke 24 tells us about the account of the discovery of the empty tomb. Jesus had been hung on the cross. He had died. He had been resurrected. And now here, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and other women going to the tomb with spices to anoint the body. They don't know that he's been resurrected. And upon their arrival, they find the stone rolled away from the tomb. From the opening. The tomb is empty, and there are two men, angels, standing there. King James Version says they're in shining garments. The ESV says dazzling apparel. Obviously, it was something that was going to catch their attention. And remember what the angels said in verses 5 through 7. As they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. I love that. Why do you seek the living among the dead? So Luke goes on to tell us that the women ran back to the 11 disciples, told them what happened, and what was the disciples' reaction? They didn't believe him at first. But then Peter and as we know from his gospel, John ran to the tomb and found it empty. They saw the burial clothes of Jesus in the tomb, but they didn't see Jesus there because he wasn't there. So that's the background that leads us to where we are in this conversation today. These two men are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a seven-mile journey. They're sad, they're confused. They're frightened. They're disappointed. And then suddenly this stranger joins them on their journey. And again, Jesus, who they don't recognize, in effect, we're in the south, right? In effect, he walks up to them and says, hey, what y'all talking about? Jesus joins the conversation. Second point. Jesus listens to the conversation. Verses 18 through 24. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. And moreover, some women in our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Verse 24, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. 
So Jesus, after he asks them what they're talking about, he steps back and he listens. He lets them say their piece. David Guzik is a wonderful Bible commentator. And he says that Jesus opened the conversation by asking them what they were talking about. And from this, we can know that he had walked silently with them for a while, just listening as they carried on the conversation. He could see that they were sad. He could see that they were confused. But Guzik said that Jesus knew what they knew already, that they were sad. And he knew what they did not yet know, that they had no reason to be sad. And I, I'm one who thinks that God has a little bit of a sense of humor sometimes. Because these men ask Jesus, are you the only one who doesn't know what's happened in Jerusalem? To Jesus, who had been nailed to the cross and had died. And yet Jesus had a pretty good idea what had happened in Jerusalem, hadn't he? But he asked, what things? And, and Guzik says that in saying this, he skillfully played along with the conversation. And in doing so, he encouraged these men to reveal their hearts. And even though he knew their hearts already, there's a value in saying those things to God. There's a value for those men in sharing those things with Jesus. And then Guzik went on to point out what the men told Jesus. Again, they don't recognize him, but this is what they knew about Jesus. They knew his name and where he was from. They knew he was a prophet. They knew he was mighty in deed and word. They knew he had been crucified. They knew he had promised to redeem Israel, and they knew that others said he had risen from the dead. Now, it's important to note here that chief among all these things was their disappointment that in their eyes, anyway, Jesus had not fulfilled his promise to redeem Israel. But we have to ask the question, what kind of redemption were they looking for at that moment in time? Well, they were looking for somebody to overthrow the Roman government. And they didn't yet understand that the redemption of Israel and all of humanity was the redemption of their sins through the perfect sacrifice of the death on the cross that Jesus had just suffered. So Jesus joins the conversation. He listens to the conversation. And now we get a little theology. Jesus changes the conversation. Verses 25 through 35. I'll read this quickly. Verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it's toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. Verse 31 and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did our hearts 
Or did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they found the eleven. They rose that same hour, returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. You know, there's never been a better better Bible teacher than Jesus himself. Because under the authority of the Holy Spirit, he authored it. And I love verse 27 where it says, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he showed them all the scriptures in the Old Testament that revealed who he was at that moment in time. And and yet these men still didn't get it. And, And they didn't recognize Jesus until at the home of one of the men, he blessed the bread, broke it. And gave it to them. And then verse 31 says, Then their eyes were opened. They were spiritually blind up to that point. But then their eyes were opened. They finally recognized it was Jesus who had been walking with them. Who had been talking to them, listening to them, teaching them. And then suddenly he was gone. And what did the men do? Verse 33 says they rose that same hour. They hightailed it back to Jerusalem to find the disciples and the others and shared their experience with the risen Christ. Now, folks, a seven-mile journey at that time was not something that you just did on a whim, especially at night. It had taken them a long time to walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. I'm going to guess, though, that... Their spirits were a little higher. Their countenance was a little better. I'm thinking they probably made a little bit better time back to Jerusalem. What about you? So that's the backdrop. Jesus joins the conversation. Jesus listens to the conversation. Jesus changed the conversation. So here are a couple of questions for us to consider today. How well do we really communicate? And for those of us who are Christians, knowing what we are commanded to do and knowing our own salvation story, are we sharing that experience with others? You know, in the early stages of the pandemic, I saw a report that three major evangelical organizations, including Billy Graham's, reported a significant rise in interest on their websites from people who were wanting to know more about Jesus. God was and still is using this worldwide emergency to slow us down and draw people closer to it. The question is, how are we responding to it? We look around, we see so much anger. We see so much pain. So much hate. Satan has his hooks in every single fabric of our society today. And if you read the Bible, you know it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get better. And yet those of us who are Christians, folks, we have the answer. We have the cure for what ails the world. We have the cure for what is crippling society. We have the cure for the sin That's running rampant in the lives of men and women everywhere, including right here in our own backyard. Oconee County, Pickens County, Greenville, 
Spartanburg, Newry, Jazzy Jeff. But are we sharing it? How well are we communicating it? And look, I have to ask myself the same question. And if I'm being honest, the answer is not nearly enough. For whatever reason, many of us as Christians aren't sharing the good news of Jesus Christ often enough or in a way that's effective enough to bring the lost to the cross. And there are a lot of reasons why. For me, I have no trouble standing in front of large groups sharing my faith. I have no trouble telling my salvation story how God pursued me and began removing things from my life that were standing between him and me. I have no trouble talking about my failings, my drinking, my battle with pornography, the physical and emotional cheating on my wife, the hurt that it caused her and my kids, and the fact that it almost cost me my family, everything and everyone that I love. I'll stand up in front of crowds big and small and share the miracle that Jesus did in my life every time I'm asked to do it. And I love doing it. But you get me in a one-on-one situation. And I'm not nearly as comfortable doing that. And, and I'm just bearing my soul here, folks. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And, and you know, I've tried to analyze why. I've been plagued with insecurity most of my life. Maybe that's part of it. Feeling of inadequacy. I, I don't really know. But I pray for God to give me the confidence in those one-on-one conversations that I have in situations like this. Speaking here at this conference today. And, and think about it. Jesus spoke so eloquently and with so much authority when he taught in the synagogue. Or on the Sermon on the Mount, he commanded the crowds. They followed him everywhere. But you know, his best messages were one-on-one. His encounter with Nicodemus, the woman at the well, which by the way is a textbook play-by-play account, or maybe the playbook, I should say, or how to handle racial relations. That's an aside. You can have that for free. The possessed man who lived among the tombs. Or the woman taken in adultery. There was a large crowd at the beginning, but it ended up just being him and her. All of these were individual conversations. Powerful moments between Jesus and another person. Men and women, I want that power. I, I want that confidence. And we should all want it. And we should all pray for it. We need to pray for God to bring opportunities to witness into our lives and then trust that He will provide not only the words, but the strength and the courage to act when the Holy Spirit prompts us to act. So what's the application for us today here at the Golden Corner Leadership Conference? Jesus couldn't change the conversation that he had with those two men on the road to Emmaus until he did what? Until he joined it. And then he listened to what they had to say. We have to be willing to join a lot of uncomfortable conversations today. 
whether it's about racial injustice, social upheaval, or political unrest. We can't have a positive effect on any of these issues unless we're willing to join that conversation. But then when we join it, we must be willing to listen. Way too often... When we do engage someone on one of these subjects, we want to be quick to give our opinion. Or in the talk radio world, we call it our take. And then we want to throw some Bible at them. And if we're not careful, we come off looking very much like the Pharisees. And we all know what Jesus' opinion was of that bunch. But if we're willing to join the conversation, not only join the conversation, but to honestly and intently listen to what the other person is saying, the Holy Spirit will direct our next move. Now, as my pastor says, don't hear what I'm not saying. Listening doesn't mean that you agree or condone. But it gives you a chance to find out where the other person is coming from. And most of the time, anyway, it will make them more receptive to listening to what you have to say. And many of these conversations are going to come with people that you already know. You already have some kind of relationship with them. And others will come with complete strangers, sometimes face-to-face, sometimes through Facebook. Don't get me started. (laughs) Or other social media outlets. But however these conversations come, we as Christians must be willing to join and listen Before we can affect change. Otherwise you're just arguing. And that's not going to lead anybody to Christ. And you know really we're not the ones who affect the change anyway. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But God uses you. He uses me. To plant the seed. That's our job. And then the Holy Spirit's the one who changes hearts and reaps the harvest. But only if we're willing to obey his prompting and get involved in conversations that are, in many cases, very, very uncomfortable. But aren't you glad that when Jesus ascended back to heaven, he sent the comforter? He's with us. He'll guide us. He will strengthen and equip us if we'll just get out of the way and let him work. So if you're here today or you're watching this and you're a Christian, my prayer for you is the same as for myself. That God puts you in a position to have these kind of conversations and that you surrender to his will and allow the Holy Spirit to lead. If you're here today or watching and you're not a Christian, then my prayer is that something that either I've said or you will hear throughout the rest of this conference or some conversation that you'll have with a Christian in the very near future will open your eyes and your heart to the fact that Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose again on the third day. And right now He sits on the right hand of the Father in heaven advocating for you pleading with you to come to the cross and accept the free gift of salvation that he offers. You can't work for it. 
You can't buy it. You can't earn it. Jesus took care of it all through his death, burial, and resurrection. All you have to do is accept him and believe in him. And not just intellectually, but through faith. Faith that he is who he claimed to be, the son of the living God. As those men on the road to Emmaus finally found out. Jesus gave us the blueprint for salvation. He gave us the blueprint for communication. And the question I'll leave with you today is are we ready to follow those blueprints? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege we have of coming to you in prayer. Thank you for your word, which gives us such great insight into so many of the things that we have to deal with, virtually everything that we have to deal with. And for this story about Jesus on the road with these two men from Emmaus and, and teaching us as, as Christians in general and, and, and perhaps leaders who are to follow me today and specifically about how to effectively communicate. He joined the conversation. He listened to the conversation. And only then did he change the conversation. Help us to have that mindset, to be willing to join and even more so to listen. We don't have to agree. But we're not going to win any souls to the cross by arguing. And I just pray that that, that fact will become very, very apparent to all of us who claim the promise of Jesus Christ as our Savior as we move forward. Bless the rest of these speakers. Bless this conference. Thank you for Greg and, and his faithfulness in putting this together. And everything we accomplish will give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, before we go to break, the Greg I mentioned at the beginning of the talk is Greg Whitfield, who has been a guest on this show. He is the uh, head of Giant Slayer Ministries and does incredible work ministering to addicts, speaks in a lot of recovery centers. He is, if you remember the interview, a recovering addict himself, and God has opened uh, a lot of doors for him in that ministry. So if you want to find out more about what Greg Whitfield does, just search Giant Slayer Ministries. Uh, and specifically, I think you can find them easily on Facebook and see uh, more of what they do there. We'll take a break and come back and uh, continue on this week's show right after this. Is there someone in your life who's been a spiritual mentor, an influence so great that you'd love to find a way to honor them? For a gift of $200 or more to Grand Slam Ministries, you can dedicate a segment of The Dan Scott Show to that special person. Honor someone who's currently in your life or remember the legacy of a loved one who's passed. Make your gift online at GrandSlamMinistries.org and we'll send you an information form which will allow you to tell us all about this special person, how and why they were a spiritual influence, their favorite Bible verse, and anything else you want to share. In doing so, you'll be covering our costs for one week's production. 
helping ensure the Dan Scott Show stays on the air and continues to share stories of loved ones like yours. And you'll get your own copy of the program in which your loved one's story airs, either by MP3 or CD. Won't you help the legacy of your spiritual mentor reach others with your gift of $200 or more today? Do so online at GrandSlamMinistries.org. That's GrandSlamMinistries.org. Teenage boys and young men today are in crisis. Statistics show that a home without a father or male role model present is the single biggest indicator of poverty, behavior issues, drug and alcohol abuse, criminal activity, and yes, imprisonment. At Grand Slam Ministries, one of our core missions is developing a mentorship program to teach boys how to become strong Christian men and then teach those men to be the biblical husbands, fathers, and church and community leaders the Bible calls us to be. We need your prayers, we need your ideas, and we need your support. Visit our website, GrandSlamMinistries.org, to find out more about our mentorship mission and prayerfully consider how you may be able to assist us. Again, that website is GrandSlamMinistries.org. We are back for the final segments of this week's show, episode 41. If you have any questions about anything, any comments that uh, you'd like to make about uh, what you hear, we would love to hear from you. You can simply email me, dan at danscottshow.org, dan at danscottshow.org, or Go to the website. There's a contact form there. You can send a message there. It comes directly to me if you have something you want uh, us to pray about here. I'll do it. You can be uh, assured that it comes directly to me, and I will be sure to pray about whatever it is you're asking about. So you can contact us, uh, dan at danscottshow.org. You can go to the contact form on the website, danscottshow.org. Or if social media is your thing, you can find me on Facebook, on uh, X, which uh, used to be known as Twitter. There it's the handle, Dan Scott Show. Same thing at Instagram. We try to be somewhat relevant on all of those things, although not to the extent that uh, some people are. But we we try to use the tool for good uh, instead of evil. Hey, coming up in the, the next few weeks we have some dynamic interviews already in the bank uh, as a matter of fact Uh, when the show expands in November I'll just give you a heads up that the immediate plan on that first Saturday Sunday weekend November 4th and 5th since we are adding 22 or so over the air radio stations to the family there's going to be I hope, a lot of new listeners in various markets around the country. So just to introduce them to me, like I did way back on the very first show on January the 8th, I'm going to share my testimony on that show. The next two weeks, I'm really excited about this because I've already recorded the interviews and uh, they are ready to go. Jay Warner Wallace, who has written the book Cold Case Christianity, 
and Lee Strobel, who you know from the case for Christ, he's written a new book called Is God Real? Those will be the next two weeks worth of interviews following that November 4th and 5th weekend, our opening weekend of expansion. And I really find this fascinating. I've talked, in fact, to both of these gentlemen about this in the interview. On one hand, you have J. Warner Wallace, a cold case detective, atheist, using his investigative skills as a police officer to find evidence to see if the resurrection is real. And lo and behold, he finds out that it is, and that leads him to leave atheism and put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. On the other hand, you have Lee Strobel, an award-winning investigative journalist who set out to try to disprove the resurrection and everything about Christianity because he did not like the fact that his wife, Leslie, had gotten saved. He went that route and ended up being overwhelmed by the evidence that the Gospels are true, the resurrection happened, Jesus is the Lord and Savior. He gave his life to Christ, and, and of course this was a, a number of years ago. But it's just amazing to me that you have two guys in two different lines of work coming at it in two different types of investigation, and they end up at the same place. The evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is undeniably real, and it caused them to realize, A, there is a God, B, I need a Savior, and accept Jesus as the Savior. So when those two episodes air, do you realize that in less than 50 episodes, that will be five atheists that we've had on this show who have turned their lives over to Christ? And if you take away the eight weeks of replays that we did in the summer. Now, you're talking about that in a little less than 40 episodes. So what are we talking about, 20%? Now, my math skills are not real good, as most people know. But roughly 20% of the shows that we will have done by the time those two interviews air will be with atheists who have given their lives to Christ and the different avenues they've taken to get there. It's just amazing stuff. Also chasing down uh, a number of other interviews. I don't want to mention the names right now because I don't have them locked in stone. Next week, you're going to hear, if all goes according to plan, from a uh, lady named Wendy Griffith, who happens to be from my hometown of Williamson, West Virginia, who is an anchor and reporter on CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network. And uh, she has written a brand new book. Uh, she talks about waiting until later in life before she finally found the one that she loved and, and how God walked her through that process uh, and uh, finally getting married. So we're going to talk to Wendy Griffith uh, about that and her faith journey and, and several other things. That, if all goes according to plan, will be coming up on next week's show. So we've got some good things in, in the immediate future. Uh, hope that you will continue to uh, like what we do on social media. You'll continue to share it. Tell people about the show and, and tell them where they can go back and listen 
to the archives because we need to continue to get new people aware about this. We need to continue to grow what we're doing. And we need your support. As I mentioned last week, you know, we're stepping out in faith on this show expansion. And it's going to take support to get it done. And I would just encourage you to consider making a gift to uh, what we are doing here. You can do so at the website, danscottshow.org. Or if you are old-fashioned and like to send a check, you can do it uh, to Grand Slam Ministries, P.O. Box 35, Central South Carolina, 29630. And for doing that, we've got these brand new, really nice, slick bookmarks that we'll send you as a small token of our appreciation for your support of the show. It's got the show logo and a thank you on one side, and it's got the 23rd Psalm on the other side. So if you'll send us a gift, if you can make it a monthly gift, that would be fantastic. If it can only be a one-time gift, we understand that as well. All of that information on how to do that is available when you go to our donation page on the website, danscottshow.org, and we would love to add you to our support family. Before we get out of here, I I don't want to let this weekend's show get away without taking just a few moments to talk about the absolute horror uh, and the atrocities that we are seeing in Israel right now. Uh, if if you've watched any news at all, and quite honestly, I, I try to watch as little of it as possible. But the the stories and the images are really inescapable. Uh, Israel has been under attack by the terrorist group Hamas. Uh, it is the long-time continuing war between the Jews and the Arabs that goes all the way back to biblical times. And it has caused a lot of pundits, religious, political, and otherwise, to do what we do in this 24-7 news cycle of ours, and that is get on the air with instant analysis or on social media with instant analysis. And much of it has been, you can call it doomsday prophecy, you can call it whatever you want, but there are a lot of people saying that this is just another sign that the return of Jesus is imminent. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, okay? Nobody knows. And Jesus himself warned us against trying to set dates and times. He said in the scriptures, talking to his disciples, that no one knows the day or time except for his Father. Now, he did give us some signs to look for, and we are very clearly living in the era of those signs right now. I don't think there's any question about that. But to sit here and say that this means that Christ is coming back tomorrow, next week, next month, we don't know the day and time. That's why the Bible is always very clear that salvation is a now thing. It's not a wait-until-tomorrow thing, because we don't know. It very well could be by the time this radio show airs. Who knows? But the Bible says that now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. It knows nothing about a tomorrow salvation. It has—what's going on in Israel right now has 
got a lot of people talking about the rapture, the return, end times, doomsday prophecies, all of those things. I don't know when Christ is coming back. So all I can do is try my best to continue what he told us to do and what the Bible tells us to do in Scripture. And one of those things that Scripture tells us to do is pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In Psalm 122, verses 6 through 9, the end of the chapter, it says this, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, Peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. The Bible commands us to pray for the peace of Israel. And it also warns, going all the way back to the covenant that God made with Abraham, that he will bless those who bless Abraham or the people of Israel. He will curse those who curse the people of Israel. This is a a very unsettling time. I don't think there's any question about that. It's a very unsettling time, and we don't know what the end result of this whole thing is going to be in the immediate. We know what the ultimate end result is going to be. But just continue to pray for Israel, continue to pray for both sides, because there are innocent people on both sides of this thing who are losing their lives right now. And the sad thing about it is, most likely the vast majority of them don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So when you pray, among other things, specifically pray for that, that in the midst of this, Jesus Christ will be known. Listen, have a great rest of your week. And we'll be back with you again in a week. Until then, I'm Dan Scott saying God bless you and so long, everybody. Thank you.